Hey everyone, Asim here. Carbon Hack is back this year. The hackathon will take place from Monday, March the 18th to Monday, April the 8th, 2024. Carbon Hack 24 is all about redefining the way we measure software to reduce its environmental footprint. At the heart of this hackathon is Impact Framework, an open source tool that lets you compute and report the environmental impacts of software applications accurately. Here's the challenge. In small teams, participants will have the freedom to choose from a variety of prize categories. So how can you become part of Carbon Hack 24? It's as simple as signing up on our website at grnsft.org forward slash hack forward slash podcast. Join us for three weeks of exciting challenges where engineers, designers, and content creators will use Impact Framework to measure software's environmental footprint. We can't wait to see what innovations and solutions emerge from this incredible event. See you there. But really, this year's event is about our community and the stories they have to share. We're interested in seeing what people have done with green software in 2023. But yeah, the theme of the event is about empowering software practitioners to decarbonize software and to build communities. And we want to see what people have done. Hello, and welcome to Environment Variables, brought to you by the Green Software Foundation. In each episode, we discuss the latest news and events surrounding green software. On our show, you can expect candid conversations with top experts in their field who have a passion for how to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions of software. I'm your host, Chris Adams. Welcome to this episode of Environment Variables. I'm your host, Chris Skipper, and in this episode, we will be discussing the upcoming Decarbonize Software 2023 event with the Green Software Foundation's Community Project Manager, Adam Jackson. Hello, Adam, and welcome to Environment Variables. Hi, Chris. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Good to have you. And just before we dive into the meat of this podcast for our listeners, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Adam Jackson. I'm the Community Project Manager at the Green Software Foundation. Really excited to be here, as I say. I've been with the Green Software Foundation a few months now. Um, I've also got my own little company helping tech companies connect to their communities. And I've recently been involved in setting up a bunch of green software meetups around the world. Awesome. For those who don't know me, I'm Chris Skipper. I can't say my name, apparently. And I'm the podcast producer of Environment Variables. And a veritable noob when it comes to green software and, in fact, all things software. Um, but I feel like I have acquired a lot of knowledge about the subject that would hopefully make me a good addition to any pub quiz team. Now, before we dive in, here's a reminder that everything we talk about will be linked in the show notes below this episode. So to kick us off, I've got a really simple question for you. Let's talk about what your role is like at the Green Software Foundation. I know you've said, how long did you say you've been part of the Green Software Foundation for? Uh, four, four and a half months now. Four and a half months. So relatively green to the Green Software Foundation, but then again, the organization itself is also quite young. What does being the community project manager at the GSF entail? And what are your responsibilities and goals in the role? Uh, yeah, sure. So it's it's quite a broad role um, because community is a very big part of the Green Software Foundation. Um, but essentially, it's helping to connect people to the resources of the GSF. So um, some of the things I'm involved in include the um, running the events at the GSF, 
working very closely with my colleague Namrata. Um, that includes our decarbonized software event that's coming up in November, includes our hackathon that will take place in the first half of next year, and a bunch of other events as well. And then I run the Meetup project. So that's about getting tens of thousands of people connected with local green software meetup community groups around the world. I'm also helping our organizations, we have member organizations in the GSF, um, helping them to build their internal green software communities. And then finally, I'm building a new program, which I can't actually talk about too much today, but hopefully that will help highlight and celebrate some of the people around the world who are making a huge contribution to green software. And there's some really amazing people out there. So we want to highlight the great work that they're doing too. Awesome. So this uh, secret project, I guess you could call it, um, (laughs) is more of a, I don't know, you you can't tell tell us that many details about it, but when's the sort of... What sort of what's the sort of target launch date for that little thing? Oh, decarbonize software. Oh, everything. Oh, that is decarbonize software. Yeah, yeah, no. Okay. But the uh, yeah, we are, we're going to be making a couple of exciting announcements at um, decarbonize software. So that's why I don't want to spoil right. it for our audience okay. today. All right, we'll sign up. <laughs> we'll definitely dive into more detail about decarbonize software. But first, let's just talk a little bit more about you. Where did your journey with green software start? And how did you come to find yourself at the Green Software Foundation? Yeah, Chris, I love that you describe yourself as a green software noob, because that's that's sort <laughs> of me as well. Um, I'm very much reliant on um, these a lot, a lot of experts in the Green Software Foundation yeah. telling me how these things really work. But um, but I'm passionate about the environment. But um, anyway, I um, I guess my story in this sort of space really began in my previous company. So I worked in Microsoft for about 12 years before joining the GSF. And my first job in Microsoft was actually an intern in legal and corporate affairs, nothing to do with developers or software practitioners at all. Cool. But I, I started working with developer communities in 2014, back in the Windows phone days. Don't laugh too much <laughs> about that. That, that ended really well. But I ended up being a program manager in Microsoft's developer relations team. And, and I also did a stint in developer marketing. And um, yeah, I guess it was a few years ago, people really started talking a lot more about the environmental impact of software and of IT more widely um, as people started getting rid of their data centers and moving everything to the cloud. At first, it was just it was a problem that had been taken away. And then they started to think, oh, there's still a data center somewhere. There's still yeah. a network. There's still all these devices. And um, actually, I, um, I'd i worked with Asim Hussain um, in the developer relations team. And many of our listeners will know that he set up and shares the Green Software Foundation. So um, he, when I when I left Microsoft earlier this year, um, he reached out to me to see if I'd like to do something along the lines of what I did there, but for the foundation. Um, so I'm I'm not an expert on green software. Um, I'm not a developer either, but mm. I've spent a lot of time working with developers. But we we always say in the foundation as well, it's not just the developer on the team, but it's also the team around them that can help decarbonize software. So yeah. hopefully I hopefully I do bring something to the party and. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested about the environment outside as well. I, you know, I want to see how I can decarbonize my life. We've just got solar panels, um, and they, I was going to say these, they, they do work in the UK. But I'm looking outside, <laughs> and we've got a thick fog this morning, and I'm currently getting about 60 watts out of them. So it's not, not great today, but uh, okay. solar yeah. and a battery system, uh, you know, it's, it's really <laughs> interesting. I've really got into looking at my dashboards to see, you know, what, what time do we draw power from the grid to top up those batteries? Um, am mm-hmm. I doing that at a, 
less carbon intensive time of day. I'm looking at use the data from electricity maps and it tells mm-hmm. me what time of day I need to top the battery up is the greenest. I drive yeah, I drive an EV. So I'm trying to be better, but I'm not I'm not hundred percent of the way there yet. So even though I'm not building green software myself, I'm yeah. also thinking as an individual as to what sort of impact I can have. Yeah, that's awesome. I think having that mindset even in your day to day life will give you the right approach to your job as the community manager. I think, or I would hope at least that most people that are part of the Green Software Foundation do that sort of thing. I know Asim has talked on this podcast before about his EV as well. And you're not the only EV owner that's been on the podcast, but <laughs> no, it's good. And I really, I would like to afford one, but if I could, I would, but I, I unfortunately cannot. But yeah, um, I probably won't put that in the, in the final. <laughs> they, need to, um, they need to come down in price quite a bit, to be fair. So um, I yeah. think they will eventually. I think when when they become more commonplace and eventually fuel is phased out, fossil fuels are phased out, they eventually will become more commonplace. But anyway, that's not what yeah. this podcast is about. Um, <laughs> although, yes, I do quite fancy them. I do quite fancy buying one. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about creating a community that is focused on green software. It's obviously a prime focus for the Green Software Foundation, but how would people go about creating a green software community inside their organizations? And what are the first steps someone could take to achieving this? Yeah, I'm really glad that you asked that, Chris, because um, my job's create uh, my job is focused on creating both external and internal communities and internal communities inside organizations. Yeah. Building community at work, it's going to be different in every organization, but I've got a few tips. The first one is to really think about culture and communication, bringing things together. Who's the key stakeholders and champions that are passionate about green software inside your organization? That could be developers, managers, executives. You might have a sustainability team if your company's big enough to have one. And what do you want to achieve and, and how are they going to be able to help you um, get the word out? The GSF has some great suggestions for what you should prioritize, but what, what actually works for, for your company? Um, you need to make sure that you've got a clear vision and also to ensure you make it worth it for the company too. You do want their support in building a community after all. Quite often, well-crafted, efficient software is green software. Efficiency drives cost savings in the, lo- in the long term. So that's worth it for the organisation and it's worth bringing people together to talk about that. So set yeah. some goals you want to achieve. Um, think about how you want to communicate that and think about how your community communicates and collaborates and depending on the culture in your organization or where you are how are you going to bring people together are you mostly operating digitally or do you have a lot of people together in person could you do some lunch and learns or some socials i love a social but if you're spread all over the world you need to think about how are we going to connect people and excite them and um, and, and incentivize them to bring them together so and then the finally you um you need to think about who can help you communicate this. So if you're a big company, you might have an internal comms team, or you might be smaller, so you might have to take it on yourself. But do you have company newsletters? Do you have company all hands? Um, And if you're a smaller organization, how are you going to keep folks engaged? Because small company, you've got, you know, lots of different uh, priorities going on, Mm -hmm. and you've got to try and handle them all. It's different for every organization, but there's lots of help and suggestions online. And then don't forget to evaluate how your company is doing as well, when, you know, how the community inside is doing, because that work's never done. Once you've set something up, that doesn't mean the work's done. You've got to keep up that momentum. 
Yeah, absolutely. I loved your answer about uh, the setting up a social environment or making having those sorts of conversations that you might have at the drinking fountain if you're in an office or perhaps via the, I don't know, nudging someone on Teams or something like that to talk. I don't use Teams, so. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, that kind of reminded me of the saying that Asim had about creating avenues for green software or avenues towards green software can come through literally talking to one or two people in the organization that might have a passion for the environment or the passion for green software more specifically. Um, I know we joked about EVs earlier, but it might be as simple as seeing someone who's an exec from your company with an EV in the car park and going up to them and being like, hey, I had this idea for setting up this community within our organization. And that could be the starting point for your community within the organization yeah. if you don't have one already. Right. Yeah, we're all individuals after all. And I doubt that anyone is just interested in green software and doesn't have any other thoughts about sustainability. Think about what brings you together. And don't we don't have to limit your communities. And we say this for external, for our meetup groups as well. You don't have to talk about software in every single talk. Sometimes you might want to talk about something else as well, a related concern. And you're all individuals. You've been brought together by these these um, shared interests. So, uh, so talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay, so let's talk about the elephant in the room or the topic of this podcast, which is Decarbonize Software 2023, the event that'll be happening in November. In fact, the date is November the 16th and it's a purely online event. Uh, can you provide an overview of the event and its goals, especially in terms of promoting green software principles and practices, please? Yeah, absolutely. So the you know the event is all about showcasing the latest advancements in green software by the community, and we're inviting speakers to share their experience and insights. So I think, as I mentioned earlier, we are going to have a few announcements from the GSF. But really, most of the agenda is about featuring demos and lightning talks by our community. So we're, uh, we're opening up, basically, to people to come and talk about things they're passionate about. And in terms of who can attend, the event is open to anyone who's interested in learning more about green software and how it can address the global climate change challenge. It's a great opportunity to network with other green software enthusiasts and experts. There'll be a big social around that. We'll have uh, we'll have the chat open. We'll have people hopefully writing loads of stuff on, on LinkedIn and do we call it X now? X, Twitter X, <laughs> and, X. And, and other social media platforms, of course. So it's not just about the event, it's about the community as well. But yeah, the event is free. You can register now on the event website and we'll put that in the links and if you'd like to speak at the event you can also submit your proposal through um, our call for speakers that's going to be open until the end of september um, and that's listed on the website uh, and don't forget you can all you will also be talking a lot about decarb on our social channels so we are active on linkedin and x and we've got our newsletter and yeah we're basically we're going to be talking about it a lot that's awesome yeah i know you mentioned announcements um and i know last year there was a big announcement at uh decarbonized software which was uh the announcement of the sci or the software carbon intensity specification as well as the linux foundation training program so are there any there any little sort of sneak peek you can give us for announcements or is it all going to be hush hush and you just have to register and you're gonna have to find out well 
We are an open source organization. So if you look hard enough, you'll, you'll find some little hints <laughs> here and there. But if you okay. like SCI, then you'll like this year's event as well. Uh, you know, I think, I think you'll see some, some very positive developments in how to, how to measure inside your organization and how to make things easier. And, and we'll, I think as I teased earlier, we'll be talking a bit more about some of the amazing contributors and experts in our community and how we celebrate those. But really this year's event, is about our community and the stories they have to share. We're interested in seeing what people have done with green software in 2023. But the, yeah, the theme is about the theme of the event is about empowering software practitioners to decarbonize mm. software and to build communities. And we want to see what people have done. Great. So on that theme of empowering green software practitioners, could you elaborate more on the types of topics or areas that you're particularly interested in receiving submissions for on the talks? Etc. Yes, I don't want to give too much guidance because mm-hmm. we really want to see what people have brought and their ideas. But yeah, we were looking for lightning talks and demos covering topics such as how to measure and reduce the carbon footprint of software, um, especially if that's using tools that GSF's built. We'd love to see how people are using SCI and um, and um, you know, carbon intensity and things like that. We'd love to hear about how people have used the green software principles and patterns to optimize performance and efficiency of their software. We'd love to see demos. So if you've got a demo showing how your software is is green or what your company is doing to measure. I saw um, some amazing demos recently with some fantastic dashboards. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. This is green software in action and we can see it. I'd love to see things like that. And if people have some great stories about how they've collaborated and contributed to the community, as well. We'd like to hear that. But really, bring your ideas. The one rule we're keeping is to keep things snappy. We're going to keep those talks and demos to about 10 to 12 minutes to allow people to ask questions. When it's an online event, you've always got to keep things moving. We're looking really for short talks, not long demos. But bring your ideas to the table. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking if people wanted inspiration, would looking at the Green Software Foundation's YouTube channel be a good way, good place to point them because only I only say this because the Carbon Hack uh, 2022 event that happened last year, there were some really great submissions um, done via video. And I thought the summaries of those projects were really nice and concise the way people did them. I think the videos were somewhere between one minute and I think the longest one might have been about 10 or 12 minutes. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely recommend looking through that. And um, of course, we've also got all of our um, podcasts on the YouTube channel as well. So if you want to listen through some of those as well. <laughs> With the transcript. <laughs> There's no, none of our faces, which is great. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you talked about the SOGS report or the State of Green Software report as a potential topic for people to talk about. What would be a good approach to leveraging this information in their talks during this event? And where could people find more information about the SOX report? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I'm really glad that you've um, asked that. So um, interestingly, we've actually prepared a bunch of resources based on the state of green software for our meetup communities. So 
Um, I've already done a load of slides, so if people want to nick my slides, then they're in our meetup documentation. If people know where to look, maybe we'll put a link to that in the, in the list afterwards. State of Green Software is a wonderful resource for our members and communities. As I think there's about 30 insights on there. We've laid out our State of Green Software site in a really bite-sized fashion, so you can look at the insights that interest you and then get some data on that. And there, that's a really, that's a really good way of building a talk actually whether it's for decarb or whether you're looking to do a community talk so take a look on there see what interests you get some inspiration and if you want more information or some slides from me then you can always contact me as well but would definitely recommend some people going a bit more in depth in some of the insights that we've recommended on our site yeah so i think if you go to stateof.greensoftware.foundation you can find the, the website and the website is really easy to get around to navigate. I know this from having to research uh, questions for guests about this, but each of those insights, if you click on them, you can just see such incredible detail. And we actually have a podcast episode about the State of Green Software Report as well, um, which was with Tamara Kinesi. Tamara Kinesi, uh, who was the lead researcher, I think, on the SOGS report. And she did a really in-depth episode uh, with Chris Adams. So yeah, you can, we'll sit, put a link down to that one as well. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, so let's talk more about green software communities in general. Green software communities within organizations seem to be a significant aspect of this year's event. We obviously talk about empowering green software practitioners. Are there any examples of successful communities within organizations? And if so, how were they built and fostered? Yeah, I think I think there's actually loads of examples, and some of them are really formal, and others are informal. Um, and one of the, um, I was really lucky to go to We Are Developers in um, in Berlin a couple of months ago to talk about green software, and I saw a talk from Amadeus, which is one of our GSF members, and they uh, they they did this amazing presentation with loads of dashboards. I love dashboards, so I got really excited. But I they didn't have a formal community; they just had a group that they'd used I, I don't know whether they I think they used Microsoft Teams or Slack and they just had everyone in together that was interested in these topics and that was building building sort of green software insights so it doesn't have to be super super formal uh, but everyone does it differently um recently we heard um from Avenard um Avenard are a GSF steering member um, they've been really consistent. They are a huge consulting organization, so they have to be. Um, they've put lots of effort into helping people build their own local communities within the organization. They've used the tools at their disposal, including they've used they've used their SharePoint intranet sites to um, put loads of information about green software and lots of links to Green Software Foundation resources where people can find them. They've also looked at Microsoft Teams and created channels for people who are interested and brought them together into one digital space. And then they've really thought about how green software aligns with their culture um, and what it means for their customers. And they've, they've used green software to really improve their business. And I think that's what really makes it so powerful as it's not, they don't see green software as a cost. They see it as an asset that helps them reach customers, helps them do a better job with their customers, helps them find new clients along the way. 
Um, and, um, you know, and, and they've really empowered individuals to, they haven't said this is the way you have to do it, mm-hmm. but they've empowered people to say, start your own local communities. And they talked about how their team in Paris had decided to do a complete week full of green software activities based off some of the global resources that they'd shared. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I love that, just in, inspiring other people to take action. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that you mentioned that, that people see it are now starting to see it as an asset in those companies. Um, I'm curious as if to whether that should be more of a unique selling point. I know perhaps it's not the focus of the Green Software Foundation, but for those people who are developing green software and who want to perhaps build communities within their organizations, using it as a sales tactic and perhaps, you know, uh, uh, as, they, as the classic phrase always goes, always be closing a closing mechanism in sales to actually get those clients through the door. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's um, it, it's going to be seen more and more actually over the next few years. It's not yeah. just it's not just something that gives people the edge. It's going to become a requirement. You know, we're seeing mm-hmm. already um, if you know if you're a, a bank um, or a you know regulated industry, you're already being asked about what your sustainability credentials are. So when you're looking for someone to help you improve your business processes or your software, you're going to want someone that can actually help you be greener from a software perspective. Regulation is catching up and certainly culture is already there and pe- people are people see this as important now. So I think, no, it's not just, it's not even an optional thing. It will be- become an essential part of selling your services in the future. And that'll, uh, that'll also be to end customers as well. We, we're seeing, uh, I don't know, um, the BBC did uh, a um, TV show, just a one-off on um, the carbon impact of streaming. Um, yeah. and this was probably 18 months ago, and they talked about Netflix. I don't want to pick on Amazon Prime. We'll try and name as many as possible. Um, <laughs> there but are streaming streaming services are available. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But these, these streaming services have a carbon impact, and people started realizing that, and it won't be long before consumers start realizing that any interaction they have with software um, creates carbon emissions, and, yeah. and they're going to start a- asking the people they buy services from how green are you yeah we're going to see we're going to see a lot more pressure from the market so to speak in the future yeah yeah and i think for people that perhaps are listening and thinking oh i've stumbled across this podcast and i'm a developer or i work in software and this actually sounds something that's really could be an opportunity for you a either as a career um, prospect or just because you're really passionate about green software and the environment um this if you are, if you become part of the Green Software Foundation, you are at the precipice of something that's effectively brand new in this space. So, my my suggestion is that you attend Decarb, <laughs> Decarb Software, Decarbonized Software 2023, in order to learn more about it. So, with that in mind, where can people? How do people register for Decarbonized Software 2023? And what do they need to do in order to register as a speaker? Is there anything that they need to do that's special or any forms that they need to fill out, anything like that? Yeah, sure. So uh, so registration is open now at decarb.greensoftware.foundation. And we'll add that to the links, of course, as well for this episode. Um, our call for speakers is open until the end of September. 
Um, and we've also got that, that link is on the main registration site. So if you go to decarb.greensoftware.foundation, scroll down, you'll see a bit more information about becoming a speaker. Um, and if you click on that, that will take you to a form and it will ask you what talk, what sort of talk do you want to do? What's it called and what's the content? Um, and yeah, we're really encouraging people to put their idea forward. You don't have to put a huge amount of information. So you don't have to have a, a you know, a full presentation built or anything like that. But tell us about your idea. Tell us what you want to talk about. Um, and then um, if you submit that, I think it's the 25th of September is the deadline. So you don't have too long. Um, you know, so please put your your idea forward sooner rather than later. And then we'll we'll get back to you at the start of October um, to... Um, you know, and if we, we won't be able to accommodate everyone if we if we get loads of responses. Um, Decarb, uh, the Decarb event is two and a half hours long. So there's only so many people we can fit in. But for the people that we can't fit in, we'll try and run some additional events over the following few months and uh, fit all of those talks in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe you could become a, another guest on the podcast if, you're, if you don't make those cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Always looking for guests. Always looking for guests. Yeah. Um, awesome. So but that's it for this episode about Decarbonized Software 2023. It looks like it's going to be a really interesting and enlightening event. And we really encourage everyone to register for the event via the link in the show notes below. Before we head off, we normally end the show with a closing question. And for this episode, Adam, I want to ask you, if there was one tool you could point people to that would really help them start a green software co community, what would it be and why? I'm really glad you've asked. Uh, really simple. So head to our meetup guide. We will put the link in the show notes. Um, that is a comprehensive document that we've built that explains how we run our external meetup groups around the world. Um, and I'd also take a quick look at our meetup network as well. So um, I will put the link in. Um, there is a map that shows where all of our existing communities are and what already exists. Um, our existing communities always need more support. So if, you, if you're in one of the global locations that already has a group, then get in touch with us if you'd like to be an organiser or if you'd like to help that group in some way. Um, if you are already organising a green software meetup that's not affiliated with the Green Software Foundation, we would love to help promote your group and build add that to our map and um, build our global family of, of meetups. And yeah, if you're if you're somewhere that doesn't have any community activity, then please get in touch with us to um, you know to get to get a group set up. Read the guides; all of the contact details are in there. Um, we you know we want to hit the tens of thousands of meetup members very soon and we need your help to reach people around the world you know your local community better than anyone else so um, let us help you build those communities where you are yeah awesome thank you so we've come to the end of this podcast episode all that's left for me to say is again thank you adam for coming on it was really great and really insightful i am sure people are looking forward to uh, decarbonized software 2023 don't forget about those deadlines september 25th is the deadline for the talks and uh the event itself is happening on happening on november 16th and you can register right now registration is open thanks adam thanks for coming on thanks thanks very much chris it was great to come on talk about the community talk about our decarb event um hopefully you'll have me again soon 
Yeah, absolutely. We would definitely want to have you more on this podcast. If we have more events uh, for the Green Selfish Foundation, we'd love the community manager to come on and talk about them. Um, anyway, thank you. Uh, that's all for this episode of Environment Variables. All the resources for this episode are in the show description below, and you can visit podcast.greensoftware.foundation to listen to more episodes of Environment Variables. See you all on the next episode. Bye for now. Bye. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Environment Variables on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do leave a rating and review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we'd love to have more listeners. To find out more about the Green Software Foundation, please visit greensoftware.foundation. That's greensoftware.foundation in any browser. Thanks again and see you in the next episode.